Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com. Go to our Patreon today and support us. We are the last comedy website because uh, uh, that's the way the internet is. And that's crazy because I'm Sean Baby. I invented being funny on it. Watch me do it now. My co-host has a perfect full boner rating on hunktoes.com. It's Robert Full Boner Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. I used to be in a gang that made fishermen jump off piers. We were called the Fish Boys, and we owned Seaside, Oregon. And life was good until, well, no follow-up questions. I have none. Uh, (laughs) Our guest today is the co-founder of Defector.com, local dog zone and Philadelphia favorite, the great Dan McQuaid. Welcome back. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on, as usual. I caught myself singing the the hot dog pod dog zone theme while mm-hmm. I was walking around the house today. So maybe I've been on too often now. But uh, yeah, I will I will try to put. We in always love to have you. Uh, oh, thank you. The standard hot dog theme or the German one? Uh, the standard hot dog mm. theme. I I now, don't now really do you know mean the what the German standard? one is saying. Do you mean the standard normal one or the hot dog nights one? Wait, did you mean the anime one? <laughs> uh, not the anime one. I've definitely never okay. listened to your anime episodes because okay. anime kind of frightens me. Oh, that's there's only good, that's one and there will only ever be one. Yeah, I'm glad we re- retired that immediately. <laughs> uh, what are you working on, uh, Dan? Uh, so I am uh, currently working on a story about a ultimate frisbee team that has lost like 75 straight games um, there's an, i can relate to they that are the, they are they are the detroit mechanics with an x they have been around since i think like 2008 or 2009 there have been a couple different um ultimate leagues obviously like frisbee is a trademark name so they have to have like a different name for sure you know, what I would just have called Frisbee football until recently. Um, But yeah, so I talked to like the owner slash coach and a player and somebody from the league and I need to finish that. So that's why I'm saying it here so that by the time Mm -hmm. this podcast is out, I will be, I I now have pressure on me. Okay. I'm glad we can help with that story. I also recently had, a story. So that's for Defector Media, where I work. You can subscribe at defector.com. Uh, hopefully, by the time this comes out, we will still be running our dollar uh, eight. Uh, we have a promotion that used to mean 99 cents, and due to inflation, it's now $1.08. Um, we think <laughs> yeah. it's still a fair deal. It's, it's uh, hard all around. And so you can get your first, first month cheap. It's a sports blog, along with other uh, random things. Mm-hmm. I also have a thing in Lapham's Quarterly recently, um, which is about a. I was in a used bookstore and I picked up this book that was like zone defense and attack, like a coaching manual uh, by this guy, Claire B., who was like a coach for Long Island University in the 30s and 40s when they were a basketball powerhouse. Obviously, the game was very different. Back mm-hmm. then, it wasn't quite peach baskets, but the ball still had laces. You know, it wasn't really uh, the same type. Of you could just give up the long range the- jumpers. You know, like we don't uh, need yeah, 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 yeah. Right they don't fly uh, straight this, these balls. But like Claire B invented the like one three one zone defense. He he invented like a lot of 
like things that are still exist in, in basketball. And so I, I, as a sports writer and, and I love college basketball, that's like what the main thing that I cover, I was like, Oh, this will be fun to, you know, read this book. The like lane was smaller see like what it changed. Who knows how this coach writes sometimes coaching manuals, the person can't write. So mm-hmm. it ends up being like really funny. Uh, like it ends up being something that could be in your uh, library, Sean. Yeah. And, and actually, this could be in your library because on the back cover, there is an essay by a guy named John R. Tunis, who is a sports writer uh, for, you know, like a large chunk of the 20th century. And it's all about how sport must prove itself to defeat the Japanese and the Nazis. And, oh, shit. <laughs> and there's, there's no other, there's like, you know, so the book was published in 1941, obviously, but there's no other discussion of this anywhere else. No other books in this series. It was like a whole coaching series that like Claire B wrote and that this publisher put out like a bunch of instructional sports books. None of the other books I could find had any sort of like random essay on the back about like the war. And because well, we did it. So we used we used yeah. zone defense so I wrote on the Nazis. A, yeah, yeah, we used the zone defense. So I wrote a thing for Lapham's Quarterly, which is like a fancy literary magazine. And the 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 way that I like to think about it is that it really was like the fancy lit mag version of a of of a hot dog uh, of a one nine hundred hot dog article. It was sort of just like making fun of this weird essay. But also, I went in and like both of these guys, Claire B and John Tunis, wrote like a series of popular children's sports novels. And <laughs> okay. well, I like they just happened to, and so like I read some of their books. I I like read like some of their like. Uh, sports writing like John John Tunis they, they like cut out a little of my like sad stuff at the end like I read an essay from John Tunis at the end of his life where he was like god damn it I didn't change anything as a sports writer my whole life like did I waste my life and I was like oh man <laughs> like that like, that makes me like scared oh uh, am I going to feel this way in you know uh, 30 years I feel um, like but, there's a big difference uh, between like you and someone writing a zone defense book uh, uh, well, of- no, no, no. This is the guy who wrote the essay on the back. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah. That guy's a full He was man. like a sports writer for a long time. He was kind of like a scoldy, uh, like, writer about how, like, college football had, you know, like, you'll see these writers now that's like, oh, college football is, is too commercial. It's too driven by, you know, like, it, like, ruined schools. And, you know, this guy was writing the same thing in, like, the 30s. Right. Well, he um, thought but, you could use sports to turn the tide of the war. Maybe his expectation, well, maybe his standards were a little too high if he was... Yeah, that's well, why he's like, disappointed. So that's what's weird. This essay made no sense based on all of his other uh, writings. The best I could figure it out is, like, he needed... Like, I found some essays from around the time where he was like, I need some money. So it totally was just, like, someone gave him a nice check to wrote to write the essay on the back yeah, of this. It was his Dennis like Miller 9-11 moment. Himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changed everything. Well, I think we did win the war when the Dream Team uh, played Iraq. It was like, that 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 stopped the whole thing, if I, if I recall. It's been a while since the 90s, but uh, I, I, I do think that this kind of crazy is like underrated when someone is writing like a book on zone defense and it just kind of uh, gets insane because... If I'm not mistaken, his own defense is like, okay, one guy stands here, three guys stand there, one guy stands there. 
you're done teaching it. And if you try to fill 150 pages with that, like you start to go fucking crazy. But like usually on the back, like every other book in this series, the back cover was like, here are other books in the like in the Claire B coaching series. And just on this one, it was like, here's an essay on the back about Nazis and yep. like the Japanese empire. Yeah, and he's like, scraping oh, every geez, fucking win. corner of his brain to get content for those books. Yeah. You're going to get some Nazis in there. You're gonna get yeah, some. I mean, uh, I guess in the '40s, like, like what percentage of books in the '40s had some like we need to fight the the Nazis? Um, I, would hope, I would hope all of them. It's yeah, gotta, it's got to penetrate. It feels like like the deal. Trump era. I'd be writing jokes about anything, and I'd be thinking like, I should like equate this to the modern state of politics and really like take a stand to help remind people that this stuff is bad. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, so it's very, it's very pervasive. <laughs> uh, uh, but today we're talking about a better time in life, uh, the mid '90s. Uh, we're talking about Baywatch, which was very literally at the time the most popular show on the planet. It was in almost 150 countries, and I would say no one can remember a single plot line. This was just the horny background noise of of the entire world for about five years. I actually uh, I have I have a question to establish a baseline uh, okay. along those lines, which was, has, have either of you watched Baywatch before this? So I, I have a really depressing answer to that. <laughs> I knew I knew <laughs> if you had an answer, it was going to yeah. be sad. I watched I watched Baywatch like a bit as a kid. You know, it was like on in syndication on Saturday afternoon. Uh-huh. Um I'm 40. I was a teenager. I was a big fan of like Pamela Anderson and, uh, of and Yasmin Bleeth. And uh, he's not in this episode we watched, but that like French guy, David uh, Charvet, uh, he's he's later on uh, Melrose Place. Uh, like I, I like I'm, I'm a huge I'm straight, head. But, like I'm straight, but like I can appreciate like a hot French dude as well. <laughs> um, and. So then in 2020, I'm, I'm straight, I, but not in France. You, yeah, yeah, like, like he's a guy who I would be like, well, I would, I would consider it. Um, he, so in 2020, uh, you know, we were indoors. I was unemployed at the time and we watched the Baywatch episode with, uh, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair and mm-hmm. Vader. Uh, and it was like pretty stupid like a podcast i listened to uh was doing an episode about it so i so i watched this 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 episode so i could hear the osw review the old school wrestling review guys talk about it and there's also a podcast called bay watching that was like they did like a crossover for this and so we watched the first episode my wife and i and we were like well that's pretty stupid but that's kind of entertaining why don't we watch the Baywatch pilot? It's like a 90 minute movie. I had never seen it. And it was like pretty stupid, but it was pretty entertaining. Uh, Madshin Amick is, is in it. Like she's in Twin Peaks and a lot of the music has like a Twin Peaks vibe in it. And she's like stabbing things. Like the, the pilot is yeah. very different than I saw the clip the you posted on Twitter. It was so weird. Yeah. So we were like, let's keep watching it. And like this, Baywatching uh, podcast with Allison Pregler is is very entertaining. Uh, it's not a podcast. It's like little recaps on YouTube of every episode. 
And so during 2020, we watched all 242. We also ended up watching all four seasons of Knight Rider. Um, what's oh, well, nice that's, that's about horrible. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's nice about this, the, those, both those shows is they've been remastered. And, like because David Hasselhoff was so big in, in Europe and, and obviously Baywatch was like all over. Um, all, all those shows were shot on film. So they've done like a really nice remaster of it. Um, the, like, they, there's also like tons of issues with it. Like the, the Baywatch ones, there, there will just be scenes missing if they didn't feel like writing a new song for it or, <laughs> or like sometimes they don't have the original footage, so they'll skip it. Or sometimes the footage is like standard deaf all of a sudden. Um, the best way and, to watch it. Yeah, so we also watched this two se- we also watched like a season and a couple episodes of Baywatch Nights. Um, that's the one where the second season they fight monsters and we couldn't right. get through that. Oh wait, wait. We so so I have seen every Baywatch episode at least once. Um, I've now wow. seen this one like four times, and I'm like I I watched it a while ago when we were talking about doing this, and then I watched it again today just for a refresher. And it was a real, it was a real slog. Fantastic. So, so this is, yeah, this is my, you're perfect watch. for the question. My question to you is, was this, was this plot line that we watched for this episode representative, would you say of like overall Baywatch? And if it's not the whole show, is it, is it certain seasons? Did it start getting wild at, at certain parts? So because my, my it's, perception of it was as a totally mid forgettable, like, CSI like it's just on kind of show. So this is season seven. It definitely starts to go downhill around here. You know, it's like one interesting thing about the show. There's only one episode that David Hasselhoff directed. It's the only thing he's directed in his whole career. And it is definitely the worst episode. <laughs> is it this whole, one? The whole series. No, it's not. But there's a okay. he, there's a worse but, than this. <laughs> there's a yeah, worse than oh, this. Like there are way more worse ones than 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 this. Um, that, yeah, that's but, okay. That's the baseline. But the less, but like you know, at this time, Hasselhoff's doing like the second season of Nights, which like they pre. So like the first season, they're detectives, and mm-hmm. they it's like him and uh, Gregory Allen Williams, who was the the cop on on Baywatch. Um, and he, they're like detectives and I guess it wasn't working. Oh, like they, the show takes place during the day. They just like work above a nightclub owned by Lou Rawls called Nights. And that lasts for about like 12 episodes. And then it just becomes like, basically just like Baywatch plots. And then the second season, they fight monsters with literally no explanation at all. There's there's it's no wonderful. mentioning like, yep, we're fighting monsters now. It's an X-Files ripoff. I love the implication um, of that change when they don't acknowledge it because it means that monsters were always there in the Baywatch universe and we just haven't been focusing <laughs> yes. on them until now. So as David Hasselhoff... Yeah, so as David Hasselhoff gets less involved with the show, it gets much worse. Um, he, he was definitely like... He's what held Baywatch yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and dark. so what's what's interesting is that this is kind of a representative plot. There'll be an, an A story that's kind of, that's usually kind of bonkers. Like, oh, this crazy secret service agent has to protect the president and right. is having these like wacky comic adventures. 
And then the B plot is like, oh, there's a missing girl and they got to find, find like her. They're, the best I example feel like is we're actually- gonna, We're going to run out of letters if we try to put letters to all the plots yeah, that happen. Yeah, this definitely went down into at, yeah. least, into at least M plots. We're at least like M, we're, N plots. Yeah, so the best example is that is actually the, the Hulk Hogan uh, Macho Man episode where they, um, like the A plot is for some reason, like Muscle Beach in Venice, the famous like open air gym, mm-hmm. for some reason that is portrayed as the old boys club and they have to wrestle Ric Flair who bought the deed to the boys club and wants to put a hotel there. And okay. they so are they wrestling him. for the deed? Like those yeah, are the stakes? for the deed. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the, the like B plot is, is Stephanie. That's the short haired uh, lifeguard, Alexandra Paul. Okay. She has cancer. So they always match together like okay. a really like a really wacky plot and something like dead serious. This okay. is the this for a while was the longest running show to never win an Emmy. Um, I believe Supernatural <laughs> passed it, but Baywatch was never oh. even nominated for an for an Emmy. What what the Baywatching podcast calls it is uh, Emmy cancer. Like they were really trying to win an Emmy and their ideas for how to win it were like terrible. Yeah. They're worse. The more serious they get. <laughs> there's, Absolutely. There, all right. I don't want to jump ahead, but there's a, there's a part that they think is serious and that's the, definitely the worst part. Oh, if you want to watch along at home, we're talking about uh season seven, episode five, it's called scorcher. Cause it's about a heat wave, but it's also about, I would say 75 other things. At least uh, <laughs> each of them get 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, God, I, I was, I never watched the show either. I think I watched it, uh, one time, uh, my ex and I were friends with Tori Wilson, who is a fitness model at the time. And she got a part on Baywatch and we were very excited for her. So we watched the episode. And if I remember, she had like, like a three word speaking role and that was it. But along the way we saw what the show was. And I think I was really shocked by how many music videos there were. Like they're always just stopping the show to just do a full four minute music video. And I was, I, I wondered all these years, like, is that a trope? Like, do they do that every episode? Uh, and apparently they do, cause they did it. Yeah, yeah. So what's great about the remastered versions is they had to do all new music in most cases. Um, they only paid a couple people. And so some of the music video, like there's, there's one where the original song was I'm too sexy. And in the like, remastered version it goes something like i've i've got it going on i've got <laughs> it going it, it well, yeah better. then there's you know when hulk hogan was in wcw he had like a knockoff theme so in the baywatch episode there's a knockoff knockoff theme one of the osw review guys says a lot of the music in the new baywatch sounds like south park music uh which it really does but it's like dead serious it's not trying to be funny um and Which so, is the only way to ensure it's funny. So there will be, uh, like, there will be scenes where they'll be showing a David Hasselhoff music video and another song will be over it because they didn't want to pay David Hasselhoff money for this remastered <laughs> Baywatch. <laughs> that he was in. So that's Held together amazing. with his blood, um, sweat, and tears. There's an episode where Richard Branson tries to break the world record for 
water skiing behind a virgin cola blimp and what's the world record the fucking only one dumb enough to do it yeah yeah uh little richard is in the episode and has several musical numbers uh and and like they're just cut out but they're just cut out in completely random ways like Little Richard will like say something and get ready to start a song and then they'll cut and the people will be like applauding like, yay, great, great song. So they really didn't put much care into this. Yeah. But it does look pretty. Uh, the remastering, it's it's nice to watch like a, a, a nice looking. Yeah. Like uh, the, the people show. in the show are insanely beautiful like like the and they know too. like the the whole intro is just like a cameraman perving out on every single uh, cast member. Pamela Anderson was like, like kind of hot in a way that seemed like a burden. Like she wasn't just like beautiful and on TV, but she was on a billion TVs. And then I think her character was meant to be disarmingly hot and always in a sexy swimsuit. They introduced her by having her like play a saxophone on a rock. Like I saw on your Twitter thread that that was, uh, that's how they introduced CJ. So I'm just saying like, she was sexy in like a very literal and conceptual way. I remember uh, when she was on the Chris Rock show, he straight up asked her, has anyone not tried to fuck you? Uh, he also... <laughs> well, what, what was her answer? I think she kind of just tried to laugh it off, but like you could kind of tell like, yeah, it's sort of a problem for me. Like I can't have a regular human relationship. Yeah, you landed on the biggest problem in my life. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd think it's nice, but no, it's, I can't fucking buy my groceries. Uh, he had, he did a joke, uh, in his act about like how, no matter how hot a chick is, someone is tired of fucking her. And he referenced Pamela Anderson. He's like, you know, Pamela Anderson, like someone's tired, someone out there is tired of fucking her. So, uh, I guess my point is that thinking about sex with Pamela Anderson was a big part of Chris Rock's writing process and he didn't care who knew it. It's just a hobby we all had in the nineties. So I guess that's, that's like my take on, on Pamela Anderson. It's just like, oh, I kind of want to like meet her and not try to fuck her. You know, just, I don't think I would. I feel like I would absolutely try, but like, uh. <laughs> but if I didn't, she'd really find that refreshing. Yeah. Like she'd go home and have a good day. Maybe she'd appreciate the effort. She's like, I, I like that you didn't like literally say Aruga when you met me. Like, yeah, I tried my best, Pamela. She, there's like a documentary about her. I think it's on Netflix and it's made with her cooperation. It's, it's one of those. She comes off as incredibly likable and a mm-hmm. very cool person in this documentary. It might just be called Pamela. Yeah, no one's ever been mean to her. <laughs> there's two ways that can go though. I mean, I think, I think yeah. like Tommy Lee has been mean to her. I think oh, there, yeah. there are some it's, people. Who, that's a good and I guess all the people someone. she said no to. So like everybody, I, you know what? I take yeah. it back. I think everyone yeah, eventually everyone gets mean to, mean, her. mean to her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) slowly slowly understanding like the psychological trials of a hot person as we work our way Uh through this through this intro because we're only at the intro i get the popularity of the show it's it's weird today it's hard to relate to uh if you're very young because like media is too fragmented for a single show to ever reach a billion homes and i think most horny people just tell their phone siri whatever specific thing i want at this very moment Okay, fine. Just stepmother stuff, I guess. All stepmothers. Fine, Siri. You're right. I think it was definitely more popular, actually, out of America. I think in America it was well watched, but it was sort of people just right. were were really aware of it, but maybe didn't really know anything about it. Because when I was talking to people when we were watching all of Baywatch in 2020, which I could not and still cannot shut up about, 
<laughs> I the thing that people always say is like, oh, slow motion running. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But also that's the joke from friends about Baywatch. Like yeah. that's what people remember. It's that's just how sort I know of it. that it was in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you actually watch it, you're like, oh, this this show is both like poorly made. It's so poorly made in such ways that it can make it really fascinating. And it's super fast paced. Like it is the opposite of slow motion running. If someone thinks that's the trope of the show is that it's absolutely not. There's a million things happening and a million characters. Um, Yeah. If this episode is emblematic of it, then it may have the most things happen out of any TV (laughs) show in history. A lifeguard is is audited in this in this episode. Yeah, it is a very. I think that's the Y plot. Yeah, that's the Y plot. I had that down as the Y plot. But listen, I I did take some notes, so let's try to get through all the things that happen. Um, It starts (laughs) off fucking luck. uh, Yeah, good fucking luck to us. We'll be here all night. Uh, It it has a a shaggy cover of uh, the Mungo Jerry song. it's and it's just Shaggy and his buddies lip syncing with Bikini Babes, uh, in a way where they sort of figured no one's really watching this. Like, let's just go out to a swing set on the beach and, and fucking make a music video. It's like in a lot of ways, the show seems like Teletubbies for horny adults, and then it's just kind of <laughs> just stuff, just stuff happening that's high contrast and interesting to infantize. Um, so it does seem like this is part of the plot. They fake us out because Hasselhoff is talking about. Uh, the reggae singers on the beach, which he um, which he calls reggae. Reggie, he calls that. it reggae. He calls them. That Reggie's. was after Reggie. He did five takes of Reggie, and they're like, "Dude, <laughs> David, it's reggae." <laughs> I got it. I got it. Roll. Keep rolling. <laughs> uh, so, but we also learn the other plot. The main plot is uh, the great Jeff Altman, funny man Jeff Altman from Thunder in Paradise. Um, he's playing a Secret Service agent, and He's way too, he's like comically serious about his job and he wants to protect President Clinton, who's going to go for a jog later that day on this beach. This is the first um, fascinating thing, which is that he is, he is the A plot if there is an A plot in this. Right. And the, the whole bit they do with him is he's, he's the comically straight man to Mm -hmm nobody's wacky man <laughs> to nobody and nothing. <laughs> yeah. So he's just playing the most aggressive straight man you've ever seen to awkward silences and bewildered confusion because there's supposed to be something else there, but there never is. Yeah. There's never anything yeah, else like, there. All that stuff you're saying is reasonable. He's like, I'm going to take over the beach and make sure the president stays alive. And Hasselhoff's like, yeah, no, oh, that sounds great. He's like, are and you a true American? Away. He's like, sure, buddy. Yeah. I- no one's, no one wants the president to die, pal. Like, <laughs> there's no conflict here. Every time they say a threat, he'll be like, "That is that a terrorist threat?" And they're like, "Yeah, man, I don't know." Oh, this guy, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Take they, a chill do, pill, man. It's the beach. Do you think? Okay, do you think that Jeff Altman, that, that everybody else in this cast knew Jeff Altman was going to be in this episode before they started shooting this episode? Because I don't think they did. I think he showed up and somebody owed him a favor. That could be. He is in five Baywatch episodes, I believe, as That's five exactly it. different characters. This, okay. this secret Somebody's, service guy isn't around for five episodes. Somebody <laughs> said, come by anytime. We love having you. And he did. <laughs> one, <laughs> I'll be here every day. 
One thing that's odd about this episode is they don't say President Clinton. They just say the president, like as if Bill Clinton was yeah. going to sue them right. for There's suing one, him as a character. There's one way we like, know. I know that. it's not the real president. They didn't want to date the show. <laughs> <laughs> they did name Hasselhoff's son because he did that bit where he's like, I know you, six foot four, 235 pounds, son named Hobie. Which I really like. <laughs> Hobie. Hobie Hasselhoff. Uh, Buchanan. Like- Hobie Hasselhoff Buchanan. I do want to set up a, a motif used throughout the show uh, with Jeff Altman. They have a little hail to the chief uh, sound like musical sting. And every time he does something sort of wacky, they just kind of put a button on it with uh, with the hail to the chief. So here's a clip. That's supposed to be his, his wacky counterpart. That's what he's playing against. It's, it's, a, it's a sound clip. 10-4 uh, Tiger Sharp. We will commence Operation Razorback on my mark. On Make him three, wait for that mark. Two, one, mark. I will be usurping much of your authority during the day. I hope you won't be slighted. It's a matter of national security. Thank you. Not even 9.30. This could be one mother of the day. Roger that, turtle dove. So nobody interacted with him in that scene. Nobody right, said a word just, to him. Thing. No second take to fix the timing. It's like, hey Jeff, do we need the fucking nine beats between waiting for the mark? <laughs> it's the rule of nines. The comedy rule of nines. That's <laughs> uh, fucking brilliant. Uh the next plot uh i appreciated this one is pamela anderson and yasmin bleeth uh fanning the sweat off their boobs in the break room fridge <laughs> i was like fucking this is the appeal of the show both uh both in like pastel 90s in like the break room yes. i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure that's that's official streetwear i, I guess think when your uniform is like the sexy red high cut swimsuit like your break room attire is like whatever pasties in a belly dancer outfit the the air conditioning so is broken is that second plot and you think like okay right we're gonna count gotta get out of this hot swimsuit uh the c plot is pamela anderson is getting a root canal so that gets introduced <laughs> to the scene and the d plot is that no one is gonna remember yasmin bleeth's birthday it's like on the calendar and she keeps dropping hints like hey boy what are you doing tonight uh, I think no she one, even says like, like it's my birthday and she's yeah. like you're getting a root canal on my birthday and she's like uh-huh <laughs> because you're because you're not seven. Like, I don't know. Right. What fuck? We're not going to Chuck E. Cheese or something. Uh, now, the E-plot is the bikers are rolling in. It's their summer annual barbecue. The, what are we at, F? There's a jellyfish migration. There's, there's, a, je- there's a lot a jellyfish, of jellyfish, A killer jellyfish swarm. <laughs> this is, uh, I want to say, six minutes into the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not counting the Shaggy music video. Actually, maybe counting, counting the Shaggy music. Yeah, yeah counting. Uh, You're right. It's happening so, happening so fast. Uh, on a normal show, I feel like these would all be the start of something. These would all be seeds to be grown. And I thought they were. I thought we were going to revisit them. <laughs> there is a woman who gets stung by a jellyfish later, but I don't know if it's related to this particular swarm of jellyfish. Is that the end of that plot? Why did <laughs> my, I, I think so, yes. Did you consider uh, this wrapped up? I don't think the bikers come back. Uh, the root canal and the birthday do. Uh, so th- I mean, that's like two out of seven. That's pretty yeah, good. Two out of seven ain't bad. You Next throw up, enough uh, plots at the wall, and then, <laughs> then you just put them all in the episode. 
I, I feel like this must be another trope of the show too, is that just like uh, crises happen that are wrapped up pretty quick. Like the crisis now is jet ski bullies. Like these guys on jet skis <laughs> driving a circle around these swimmers and they're like, Oh, I please. That's what it is. <laughs> it really is. Like they're just jerks. They're but not doing it for any jerks. benefit. Uh, and like th- we, they do wrap this up later, but they cut to something else because one lifeguards found a couple of kids and he's really pissed about it. They're unrelated. They're not a brother and sister. Uh, uh, one of the children insists he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's an important Love detail that. that I don't think will yeah. come up again. Never pays off. It's just, I mean, it might as well be silly. It's nothing. Make it something by, by being silly. Uh, the blonde like they're trying getting... to lose us. Like, are they trying to shake yeah. us as viewers? Like, yeah, I, like... I feel like that's what it is. I feel like they know no one's watching this for more than 10 seconds. And so they're just like, well, let's give that those people a 10 second little show. Let's just have a, that old Schwarzenegger thing. That was a juke. Like I, I would have been diving yep. in and they would have just spun away and I would have eaten shit as they <laughs> laughed and ran off. Like I, I was certain that was something. On a competent show, that kid would have had DID and one of his personalities would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that would have, <laughs> we would have followed that kid as he liked got into trouble and solved crimes with all of these different characters living inside of him. And that's and, a show. That's an A plot. Baywatch. Uh, <laughs> I think Hold we're on. there. Wait, I, actually, there wait, there is an episode where a <laughs> guy who does a bunch of celebrity impersonations uh, is Jeff. able to shock the lifeguards through the phone and is causing havoc. Wow! Oh, I, I was so Amazing. sure that it would turn out he would have DID and that would they would all learn a very special <laughs> lesson. I was positive uh, the '90s were going to do that. <laughs> Okay. I don't remember if he had DID. He might have. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if Baywatch somewhere in Baywatch that happened. What DID is, or yeah, yeah. I think they would have called them multiple personalities or whatever. Mm. The very real thing that lots of people in real world. Oh, know. Um, wait. There's also an episode where David Hasselhoff goes on dates with two sisters, but it's actually a uh, one woman with two different personalities. Hey, uh, here it and, is. And, and That's the, the actress is, and the actress is Carrie Ann Moss, like from The wow. Matrix. Fucking fantastic! So, Good job, the nineties. You brought. That's it how she got the job. They're like, this Matrix is about the duality of reality. She's like, well, I did play two different people on one episode of Baywatch. They're like, you got the job. Did we learn a very special lesson? You bet your goddamn ass we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Some of the early episodes have. Uh, Brian Cranston, Mariska Hargitay, David Spade. There's there's a couple a people who show. later went on to to like actual TV fame mm-hmm. uh, on early Baywatch episodes in like guest starring roles. Also, the last two episodes or the last two seasons of Baywatch where they moved to Hawaii. One of the stars is Jason Momoa. One of his characters' traits is that he smokes cigarettes. I don't know why they made him. They gave him that trait, but yeah, you gotta give him cool Hawaiian. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, the I was saying that the we're at I think the J plot. The blonde hunk is getting audited by the IRS, and uh, he's <laughs> oh, two minutes that... late. And uh, like the the guy's like, "Up, oh, you are two minutes late." He's like, "Yeah, buddy, what's the big deal?" He's like, "Give me your tax receipts," and he has them in like a paper bag, which I feel like is a reasonable place to keep a bunch of receipts. And then he drops them out on the desk and, and the show's trying to play this off like it's crazy. But I'm like, I feel like, wh- where else you sp- 
do people like laminate their sheets? Do they put them in like photo books? What the? Like, I didn't like get it. A folder would be better, but a bag isn't exactly the the worst. It seems. But like, what does he do that he has all these receipts? He's a lifeguard. He's a lifeguard. Yeah. He like, makes in the nineties. He makes four seventy five an hour. I think <laughs> he gets a W two like or like or a ten ninety nine. That's sure. like, that's it, right? Like, that crippling that fine he gets. Spoilers, that crippling fine he gets at the end is like $17, and he just... <laughs> right. Yeah, the going out doesn't again. generally audit, like, a minimum wage, like, lifeguard. It, it's Also, the the guy, the uh, the accountant, like, the World Bodybuilding Federation didn't have characters that broad and <laughs> stereotypical. <laughs> yeah, he's he really prototype Weasley. Yeah. Just, like, this is my one chance... I one chance to be to be a weasel, and I, I, I'm yeah. not going to waste it. He said James Spader and Mannequin. He's like, oh, I can triple that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they cut back to the jet ski bullies. And in the passage of time, with the number of things we've covered in the show, this feels like it's been 45 minutes. Like they've just been out there, <laughs> like just trying to create a fucking a swirling whirlpool around these swimmers. Just like a Super Friends plot. Anyway, they... They run when they see the lifeguards. The lifeguards come out in a boat. And I guess this is a chase scene, but th- like there's music and everything, but it's just like a 30 mile per hour straight line across open water with no stakes. Like if they catch these people, you're like, are they going to teach them to be polite? Like, I mean, a I get that they're the bad fine. guys. This is a lukewarm prank. This is just like a weird impulse. Um, Anyway, right, but it's it's so, settled uh, along those stakes as well because the, how that chase ends is that he just a- keeps asking him, "Hey, stop! Hey, stop!" And finally, he just like, "Oh, all right," and he, he just stops, does. and then he hangs uh, out, the, and like, there's no stakes to anything that's ever happened. <laughs> but they do split up. One guy gets off the jet boat and onto a jet ski, and they chase the two bullies, and he so, actually jumps so onto the. That fucking jet ski that comes out. Yeah, it rules. It's like this little uh, like mask sidecar thing. Did Baywatch uh, have toys? Those would have been some really bad toys, but this yeah. one would have ruled. The rest this would have just been a good one. big tits and done nothing. I have a Pamela Anderson like Barbie I found at a thrift store. So sort of. Uh, okay. So there were some sort of toys you would think. I There's a bunch of seasons where suddenly they have a bunch of different boats that they're trying out. So... There must have been toys because there's like it felt like a, like a Batman and Robin. That's thing, what this where felt they're like. Just yeah. adding more and more vehicles to sell them in the in the toy aisle. Yeah, he comes. The, I, the, this is the only scene it's in. He comes the, the detachable jet ski, and then he dive tackles a bully <laughs> off of a jet ski, and then they're like, "All right, problem solved. Never seen again." I feel like he doesn't have the authority to physically assault a jet ski jerk. I mean, I like I, I I agree with it. I think he should have. I'm just saying that that guy could probably tell the police, and the police are like, "Yeah, dude, buddy, you can't, you can't just fucking run around in the water tackling people because they're dicks." I Trust mean, me. The lifeguards in this show kind of have arrest powers. There yeah. are lots of times in this episode yeah. where the lifeguards sort of just lead someone away as if they are a police officer. And the guy who jumps on the the guy who jumps on the jet ski is Michael Newman. Uh, he is an actual lifeguard. He won like the national lifeguard championships one year, which is a okay. competition. Uh, he at first was just like a 
background guy and like a technical advisor. The show advisor. actually started in the seventies. What like the the work for it? One of the the one of the creators is this guy Greg Bonan, who was a lifeguard and starting I think in like the early seventies. Wanted to get a show about lifeguards. He thought it was a great idea, and like shockingly, he was kind of right because of how long it was on TV. But in 1978, he like rescued the son of a TV executive <laughs> as a lifeguard for real, the and dream. then and then asked him, "Hey, can you help me get this series I've been trying to get made?" Oh and God. then 11 years later, the show started. But one of his friends or colleagues, I was, have a quick uh, question. Uh, sorry to interrupt. How many kids do you think he drowned after they said no to that question? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, 11 years later, it's clear the answer was not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, and so Michael Newman was one of his colleagues. New me is what they call him on the show. Uh, he's he's on it for all 11 seasons, mostly in the background. Later, he becomes... I think his name is in the opening credits later. He, it, you know, he said in interviews, he's like, well, basically they kept me around because they didn't have to hire like a stunt person if I was in the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he did his own stunt. Diving. He, yeah, he actually jumped onto that yeah. jet skier guy. Um, he also, the most important role he had in the show is that he was David Hasselhoff's leg double. <laughs> leg okay, double? Because... Yeah, for, I, for guess, like running? I guess Hasselhoff was a little yeah for like like shots without like shots where you would just see Hasselhoff's legs. It was occasionally Michael Newman. Because... My very first thought was like in a bath, like like sultrally <laughs> leaning one leg out of a bath. But no, running makes sense. Makes maybe a little yeah. more sense. Mm, I think there are some David Hasselhoff bath scenes in this show, mm. unfortunately. And Michael Newman just under the water holding his breath. <laughs> possibly, possibly. He's a lifeguard. He could do it. He could do That's it. That's true. The perfect skill set. We're um, we're back from commercial. That They went out on that. They're like, boom, they arrest these guys. <laughs> like, you know, I had so many questions. Like, I wrote that down like, oh, no, what? What are they going to do with these guys? We never find out. Like, we come back from commercial. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the end. <laughs> like they left those guys to die in the sea. Uh, so we come back from commercial uh, with no answers, and Jeff Altman is—he's uh, like a dork, and they're still doing this bit. And he's in a suit; he's in his full Secret Service costume. And Hasselhoff is trying to explain to him that, like, uh, Secret Service beach agents—they should be in disguise, like for comfort and for tactics. Uh, like these. I don't, he'll explain it. I have a clip of it, but I just want everyone to know you should never trust a man trying to get you to take your shirt off for unclear reasons. And this is the second time we hear the uh, music sting. Sir, I am on duty. I am patrolling my sector. I'm guard for any kind of sabotage or villainy. Agent Dawson, you're the only one on the beach wearing a dark suit and dress shoes filled with sand. We are having a heat wave. Now, don't you think if there's any saboteur or villain out there, they're going to know exactly who you are? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess I laughed, so. What yeah, they no, did to hail great. to the chief there was art, I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. There was a fart sound, a womp, a tuba, a tuba drop, that's and it was so still good. hail to the chief somehow. It was That's that's great. That's just great work. <laughs> uh, 
God, we're still going with plot. Okay, the next thing that happens, there's a gang hassling a local fisherman. They, they like <laughs> scare him into jumping into the water. And Jeff Altman interrupts to be like, hey, I think that might be a communist plot to assassinate the president, but I'm not going to let that happen. And they're just all laughing at him. Like these guys, there's a fucking gang just charging people and making them jump into the ocean. And they're like thinking it's funny. Anyway, these people live every day in the eye of a chaos storm and they're just mocking this fucking asshole for taking any of it seriously. Uh, we're in the middle of 70 plot lines screening out of control, most of them with a high risk of drowning. And they're like, oh, look at this dork in his dress shoes. Uh, so <laughs> nobody wants to really push into the ocean by a rampaging gang. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? It's uh, the closest so Jeff- thing they have to a plot. You think they would be just grabbing right. onto it like a life preserver and hoping not to die in the sea of what is happening in this episode. And he's giving them like, I'm the A plot. Hey, hey, over here. Look, the A plot. Like, ah, fuck you. I feel no, like you're not. They talk about the fisherman later. I feel like they mention him. But again, like that doesn't get wrapped up. They don't take out the gang or anything. Uh, Jeff, he, he's like, this is too much stuff. We got to clear the beach. And uh, wait, no, like, you skipped the uh, kid who, cr- who crashed his hang glider into somebody's pool because he was uh, looking at them naked. Thought that was going to be a plot oh, line, you're too. Right. Yep. But that Slipped was, that uh, one in there. Just, it was I just I didn't even have that in my notes. There's there really was a lot in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is another music scene here. Let's let's hit it. You want me to tell 200,000 people to go home that the beach is closed? Let me tell you something, my friend. Any one of these 200,000 people here could be a potential terrorist. Need I remind you our president is going to be jogging on this beach at 16:30 hours? You watch a lot of television, don't you? Slam! Got a little funk in that one. <laughs> I like how he reads all of his lines like uh, like he's reading to children at the library. Like that's his sort of delivery. Like, don't you think that maybe you shouldn't be wearing a suit to trick the terrorists? Like, I don't know. This uh, seems complete. His guess here that that that, that this beach contains two hundred thousand people in just his jurisdiction with his lifeguards. Seems like the maddest thing I've ever heard. There's no possible yeah. way that could ever Seem even like by monthly? orders of magnitude. Like <laughs> yeah. there might be eleven thousand people there, and that would be insane. But that like, would... what what does a beach contain? Two hundred thousand people? Like, are you personally guessing, David Hasselhoff? It's like it's somebody who's right. never been to a beach before. You're right. That number is off by probably one hundred ninety nine thousand eight hundred. It's it's. It's madness to insist that, and nobody questions it. <laughs> right. Uh, we got a root canal. Uh, they, CJ is there. I don't like that the hottest girl in the world is drugged and alone with this dentist, uh, but luckily she escapes. But she's filled with Novocaine, and uh, obviously this pays off uh, because she can't talk. Um, when I say pays off, they do a couple of bits later that um, would have been exactly the same if she could talk. So a couple of people say, What? But then normal things happen after that. She's like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, I get what you're saying. And then they do. It has no consequences related to the main thing that's happening. Like something should have happened. Somebody should have misunderstood her or or thought she was a a lost cave woman or something. But but no, there was never any misunderstandings. They were just like, something Uh, weird's going on with your mouth. I'm sorry about that. Oh, I'd love it if she got like captured by anthropologists. Like, we found a caveman. (laughs) Sexy caveman. This was the 90s. That would have played. Yep, I would have totally would have been, bought that. Would have been insane. My, woman. 
my wife walked in while I was watching this episode, and she, like the first thing you said was like, "Ugh, a Jeff Altman episode. This one sucks." <laughs> she she noticed that uh, CJ Pamela Anderson had lip liner on for the dentist, uh, which I found very amusing. I, I love, love, that. I love like watching. She put on all women her they have like to this go perspective. To the yeah, that's so funny. I never would have noticed that. I didn't notice that. I, I watched it noticing things. I didn't notice it. Uh, so she uh, finds a kid. The kid gets lost among like the most beautiful bikini extras in TV history. It totally took me out of the story because I, I thought about like the creep show, the casting for the show must have been like they had to have gone through so many hundreds of bikini models every single day to cast the show. And I just don't see how you like regulate an industry like that. Like that has just got to be all self-selected creeps. So the there's a there's a Baywatch E True Hollywood story. If you like Google it, it's on it's not on YouTube, but it's on one of the less reputable Daily Motion video sites. It's on Vimeo or Daily Motion or something. And the the two casting directors say, I think proudly it seems, that they say that they're responsible for more than half of the eating disorders in oh. Hollywood. Uh, That's a they, on it. They also put a like on the on the show. They put pictures of Yasmin Bleeth at like catering with signs that said "Do not feed this woman" because they were always on her for oh my her, god her weight the and like obviously like, beautiful Yasmin Bleeth. Yeah, yeah, like could not be hotter and like you know it's yeah so. Yes, you were right. The casting on this show is like the like creepiest thing in the world. The the people who said they gave uh, the people eating disorders are uh, women. They they are not men. So okay. the creepy casting was of all genders. Okay, good for them. Every uh, time, every time we have to pause for a second. And you say, so the, I know <laughs> yeah. something fucking crazy is going to happen. <laughs> so. uh, we have more plot because um, CJ helps his kid. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's all mush mouth from the Novocaine. And now there's a bunch of uh, frat guys watching the volleyball babes. And there's a like a beach bag bandit stealing everybody's wallets while they're doing that. Uh, still introducing so plots. Yeah, this there's still so shit happening. <laughs> Uh, We're not even close to done with, with new plots. I know, but I, I, they it's add just a, amazing. They add a weird twist to one of our old plots here because the rookie has the two kids and the, the boy needs to pee. And he's like calling into base. He's like, guys, one of these fucking kids has to go pee. What am I supposed to do with a girl while he's peeing? But he's like 10. Like he can fucking go use the potty. I need to get the fucking guidebook out. What do you do when you have a... <laughs> Two genders of children who need to pee. And, and you need to watch on the other side of, of the radio says, take him to the ocean. Just kidding. But like, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a ton of people fine. out If there's 200,000 people out here, that's pure urine at that point. Yeah. It's like... Find a jelly thing. Medical pee is urine. valuable right now. Uh, <laughs> turn the, let's add a new Turn plot. it acidic enough to kill all the jellyfish <laughs> and we've wrapped up two plots at once. <laughs> Uh, Jeff is there. He's still got his black socks and dress shoes on, but now he has like a camp counselor costume on instead of the secret service suit. Uh, this is like a comedy beat. That's why I'm telling you about it because it's obviously very funny. 
Uh, there's a big crowd watching the woman crown. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like a woman giving birth on the beach is the only role they have for non-bikini models. Like so, but uh, honestly, this is so like I don't even need to bring it up. It's just a woman having a, a baby on the beach. I only brought it up because Jeff Altman uh, has his face right in it, and then he faints, and they do the fourth Altman music scene. Keep breathing. Whoa! So already crowning, huh? <laughs> Back just to get a tan. Okay, on three, I want you to push. One, two, three, push! Come on, yeah. there's the head. Come on, keep pushing. One, two, three, push! Come on! Oh, almost out. Oh, he's coming, he's coming. Push, push! Yeah, he's almost here. I mean, she's here! You got yourself a little girl. Chris, get some smelling salts for Special Agent Doss. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Altman once again uh. nailing that comedy nine beat just <laughs> 45 seconds after the baby's been delivered. <laughs> That like whole scene, it like reminds me of like the the baby like scene in Blank Man. Like it's like forty seconds long. Like right. it is the quickest birth I that has I, ever happened. It is TV magic, but uh, this is about how fast my second baby was. Like we okay. induced labor, and uh, the delivery doctor's like, "Okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna." head over there i'm 10 minutes away so uh once the baby's 10 minutes out uh you know give me a shout and we had the baby five minutes later and she didn't make it so we had like all these other people that weren't the delivery doctor but anyway it, it worked we had a baby so and you was- so so you basically had the experience of this woman on the beach like baby exactly hasselhoff yeah hasselhoff delivery. was there he was like you're doing great <laughs> and he said that a second time and then we had a baby uh, who uh, who played the musical of, sting of, for you if the delivery doctor wasn't there? Uh, well, Jeff Altman was there, so we let him take okay. it. You don't want <laughs> you don't want to compete. Uh, speaking of heads emerging, uh, there's a new plot. A kid <laughs> runs up and he tells the guys, "Me bleed that he found a fucking human head in a trash can." <laughs> and uh, and you're thinking, okay, th- there's a lot of fake outs in the show. You're like, this is a prank. <laughs> But there is a human head in a trash can, and the fake out is that it's just a hobo who's in a trash can. Now I worry. <laughs> I worry. People are picturing when you say that 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 he's like laying in a dumpster or something. No, he's stuffed <laughs> oh, no. in like a normal trash can in which you would throw away like a soda by the beach. Perfectly normal yeah. sized, if a little bit small trash can. He has curled himself up into a ball and thrown himself away. And then he is covered, and then he is covered in garbage. There's no cover on this. The, the cover is open. So yeah. multiple people walked by him and threw their garbage on him and walked away for it's, him to be covered in garbage. The way you'd have to, like, it's tear like the skin off your back standing up out of that. This idea. Yeah, it's, it's like my nightmare to get trapped in a garbage so, can like that. There's a lot of... There's a lot of product placement in this show, and there's famous Amos and Gatorade in the trash with him. Like, I'm I'm sure they were very happy with the money that they had spent on the product placement. <laughs> a real Baywatch. clear shot. The guy positioning the labels just so on the homeless man. Who fucking thinks that's 
So they thought that's how homeless people lived? Like, well, when when we don't see them, they're busy stuffing themselves into trash cans. That's where they live. That's their homes. They're, they film on the beach in Southern California. Like, surely they've encountered someone living on the beach before. I promise you how there, did are, they, there are homeless people in these shots. How did they get it so wrong? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's an, it's such an insane decision. I just can't stress that they, enough. They do say hi to <laughs> Yasmin Bleeth. He goes, morning. She says, morning, commercial break. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's how we meet. Uh, and it comes back. Uh, God, what do we have? A kid getting rescued from drowning they just like yada yada that like we catch that at the tail end of it uh there's a couple covered in second degree sunburns uh that's that's just uh don't get distracted by that we're now back at the irs audit crisis because sunblock is not covered as a vocational expense for lifeguards which seems an insane detail to just make up because it almost certainly is yes right like it would likely be the only one but it would Yeah, you got panties and a fucking sunblock. Those are the two things you wear to work. I feel like you can write those off. Um, Yasmin Bleeth is helping the mentally ill trash man. He is now taking a shower outside, surrounded by children, fully naked. <laughs> I want to be clear. He's fully naked. She thinks this is cute. It's a fucking trash can pervert. And she's like, let me let me nurse you like a baby bird. Oh, no. Uh, everybody everybody thinks this is cute. They are cra- they're like yes. three feet away from him. There is a crowd around just like aggressively <laughs> yes. watching him clean his dong. And they're having the best time I've ever seen. Like that crowd <laughs> is selling that as a good fucking time. There's dong water on these onlookers. T- on, on these children, yes. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say all that in the same sentence. Uh, <laughs> clap, well, clap. Can you fix that in editing? Uh, so now there's a joyrider on the beach. Uh, like he's in a, <laughs> he's in a Aston Martin, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like a and, fancy car. Yeah, like <laughs> with a steering wheel on the wrong side. He like imported this car, and he's just <laughs> cruising along the beach trying to run people over. Like no hands, top speed, just squealing. Like wee, I'm in a car. Wee, like he's never been in a fucking car. He stalls it out in the ocean. CJ um, ditches the show's fourth lost kid and she pulls this maniac from the car. And he's like, wee why? Like he's absolutely lost his mind in a way no one has. He's not a pervert or on drugs. In fact, when the most beautiful woman in the world pulls him out of the car, he's just like, oh, come on, cop. Not like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm obviously an unhinged maniac. I'm I'm going to turn now, this into a weird sex assault thing. No, was just, he, nope. I respect your authority. <laughs> how did how did this not intersect with the jeff altman right right how did, like this is what he's there, there for. so many there's so many of like these plots that could have intersected and i kept thinking like all right this is gonna dive back in to finally give jeff altman a bit to riff off of instead of having him stand alone and play a straight man to nothing but no <laughs> they refuse they resolved completely like miles away from him. He never even knows about them. Do, do you guys have any notes what happens uh, after this car maniac? I have the lost brat eating Neely's sandwich. No, we yes. got a couple uh, things before that. Oh, outhouse, really? Outhouse fire. There's a fucking outhouse fire. Right. Oh, oh right. Shit. Outhouse fire. It was impossible this to take niche. notes on this. You can't do yeah. it. I had to pause a lot. Um, they juked me. But that, but then, yes, the lost kid has locked himself in the lifeguard booth and he's eating everybody's lunches. Uh, 
the trash hobos now just wandered into the sea to die. All right, we need to like slow down and discuss how that scene actually unfolds because we 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 cut to him in the water, fully clothed, dog paddling, apparently miles and miles and miles out to sea because there's nothing around. Yeah. And Yasmin Bleeth like paddles up to to him on her med, her medical surfboard. I don't know what to call that fucking yeah. thing. She surfboard. she swims out to him and and says. What you doing? To be clear, audience, she knows this man came out here to die. Like this she is her. I'm, I'm pausing because oh. I was sure you would have a clip. Oh no, I did not take okay. any clips of okay. anything other than well, music. I'm, I'm glad I have the rest of the notes because she says, "What you doing?" And he says, "Swimming to heaven." Swimming for heaven. <laughs> and she, oh. she says. Well, that's a long swim. And he says, to be perfectly clear, it's not so bad one way. <laughs> Just let let me die, Yasmin Bleed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a name. They call me Fella. I think that's my name. I live in garbage by choice. <laughs> and this is, I, it seems like I'm making a joke. I'm only paraphrasing her monologue because what she says next yeah. is, you live in trash cans. You take showers on the beach and you know what? I feel sorry for myself because everyone forgot my birthday. You can't give up, fella. What part of that means he can't give up? Because you just added more I, sadness. Yeah, just... Uh, oh, fuck, it's so weird. Uh, yeah, when she started listing things, I thought, oh, here's... She's like, you got it all figured out. You take showers on the beach. You live in trash cans. You. I wish we could all, like, <laughs> take a... And then when she says, I feel sorry for myself, you think she's going to contrast, but then she's like, no, that's just what I do. I'm making it about me and I'm a piece of shit for that. I'm learning a lot from you. Soon to be dead hobo. Uh, I love, I love this so much. It's so fucking weird. And you can tell whoever wrote it, like thought they were like putting something really positive into the world. Like they're like, yeah, yeah you is... thought you were making a difference, but what do you think homeless people are? Like, where do you think they are? Do you do you think we literally did somebody tell you where people they're people we've thrown away and you're like, oh, I get it. I don't have any yeah. further questions. I understand like, this like trash, <laughs> like trash. Anyway, she says, he says, why didn't you let me drown in a weirdly cheerful way? And she says, because I happen to think your life is worth sa- saving. Besides, you can't die on my birthday. <laughs> God you damn it! You can't die on my birthday. You You're not fucking birthday. allowed. It's my birthday. <laughs> this really broke my brain. And then it didn't help that we came back to a, a like a bride and a groom and a priest, completely soaked, and they look like really sad, like they're being scolded because Hasselhoff had to break up their underwater wedding because it, they didn't like get the proper permits. He has like this long speech about like, oh, it's fucking unreg. You can't unregulate a fucking underwater wedding. Uh, and the, the Secret Service, <laughs> all this happened off camera, but uh, Jeff Altman apparently saw the full wedding on the ocean floor and decided it was a terrorist attack to kill the president arriving many hours later. And so that's what we're dealing with. Like we just go from this fucking insane, like suicide talk down to this. And uh, I believe we're on number five of the musical stings. But they could have been terrorists, an underwater attack. The beach was covered, I was just offering help. Don't. Operation Razorback is your business. And I'll help you because he is my president and this is my country and you asked me to. But from now on, Operation Lifeguard is over. On my mark, 
three, two, one, mark. Sad. Roger, Dodger, knucklehead. Boom. Oh, fucking great. Uh, we do no music video now. Holy work there. <laughs> Just fist fucking mayonnaise the whole time, right into the microphone. <laughs> it's playing the mayonnaise jar. <laughs> Uh, so we now cut to music video, uh, just a volleyball in a swimsuit montage. Uh, it's outrageous how much time they burn on music videos since there's 80 characters who are still in mortal danger. <laughs> 460 plot lines that we've never visited again. <laughs> just, and here's what's great is that the, the plot lines get, one of them gets wrapped up in the musical montage because the backpack bandits back there and he gets busted by uh, the middle-aged hunk. What's his name again? Uh, new me new me um he puts him in like a million dollar dream with his rescue float it's kind of an awesome like lifeguard chokehold i really liked it um the second long lifeguard to wrap back up this is the least dire possible one not the jellyfish not the nude hobo not the, just, not the uh, with a rough and ready biker biker party <laughs> just like let's let's really we really opened a seal on this this minor theft bandit. We, we need to... <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. Uh, so the second blood lifeguard finds a ginger family. And she's like, this fucking ginger mom has way too many kids. You know what? I bet she's the mother of that fucking redhead kid we found. Is this not um, a little racist? This feels a little racist. This feels racist. Absolutely. You, found, you said there and were so 200,000 like, people on this beach and you found... Like a family with a with one too many with like three too many kids and some of them are redheads mm-hmm. and you're like, I know where you belong. Yeah. You Get back with you your kind. Bag. But she is right. She's like, hey lady, how many kids do you have? She's like, eight. And then she still doesn't get it. And she's like, okay, do you have them all here? And she's like, yeah, they're all here. Oh no. Where's Mikey? <laughs> yeah. She started with 10. You know she did. <laughs> Yeah, she, she always tells lifeguards like three or four under the number of kids because she's always missing several. <laughs> uh, oh, we, we're finally to the president. We're fighting to the A plot. We uh, It's big dramatic music, but definitely not hail to the chief. Uh, they, the cut to the president jogging is just an amazingly mean-spirited lookalike. They stuffed a pillow and <laughs> down the shirt and the sweatpants of some dude. And he's like... Oh, Bill Clinton, I'm an untrained actor, not employed as Bill Clinton lookalike, doing Phil Hartman's Bill Clinton impersonation. It's just, it's fucking so half-assed. His his t-shirt has a saxophone on it. Yes. Oh, which so is good. just so lazy, but also you like did. very strange. Like, like you said it was the president. You don't need to put <laughs> yeah. like a saxophone on it, especially because this was the... Bill Clinton was the president when this episode came out. If you say the president, yeah, you don't need the people to be like, "Oh, it's that president." It's the I think it's perfect a great touch shirt too. because imagine, yeah. imagine the actual president wearing that. Like every <laughs> <laughs> me like saxophone. You know me like saxophone. What's a good thing? Why are you wearing that? Like, we like it. I like rock climbing, so they put a little rock on my shirt. It doesn't say anything. They, it's really just a picture of a saxophone. It's just a picture of a saxophone. They also, Mitch is running with him and they don't explain how that happened. Right. Like they, there needed to be a scene where that, where like Jeff Altman gets like, he wants, he's about to run with the president and then Mitch 
steps in for him or 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 something. But I really liked what what Hasselhoff said to Clinton in this in this scene. You know, you're running with the president. You get to ask him one question. You could mm-hmm. scream at him for his policies. You could say you're you know you really like him. And Mitch says, so they have beaches like this up in Washington? Like, no, man, don't you know anything about Washington, D.C.? No, there's no beaches like in Southern California. (laughs) He is the beach expert asking a probably not beach expert about beaches. I don't know. I I I think it's great writing. Mostly saxophone. saxophone You like saxophone. (laughs) Me like. What would the beach good. guy talk to the president about? I don't know. Probably beaches, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess he would. You ever it's resuscitate so anyone insane. in the White House? You ever pull anyone out of the ocean at work and bring Has them back to life with your mouth? involved with writing this episode ever been outside? Like, there's some sort of... <laughs> like, they're clearly very privileged in their understanding of the world, but I suspect they may have been, like, raised in a locked pool house by maids. Or something, because they don't understand anything about the world or how it functions on a, even the most basic level. It's incredible. While uh, all these things are happening, uh, an old guy with a metal detector finds a bomb, uh, and Jeff Altman uh, demands to be taken to it. And so the bomb is like sort of a thermosized thing. It looks like it has like the Die Hard Three chemicals in it. Uh, and I feel like this would have to be just the most fucking impossibly powerful bomb to be worried about it. If it's 9,000 yards away from its target, there's like no fragmenting device on it. Well, when he says, when he finds out what's, what's going on, he says there's, there's no time to change like anything. He has to go to the bomb. So they're treating, they're treating the threat like the jogging president cannot be stopped. Like he's an out of control train (laughs) and you have to destroy any obstacle in his path because what he could do right here, once you hear that is use the same walkie talkie. You just received that news Uh on to radio the 700 people you just showed jogging with the president and say, Hey, there's a bomb there. Maybe you should turn around or move or something. But he's like, no, no, no. Once he, once he starts, he cannot be stopped. No, listen, Jeff Altman, when I start running in a line, I do not stop running until this saxophone on my shirt Turns into a little bed for a nap. (laughs) I know that it's like. (laughs) And then a little burger because I got hungry. (laughs) Uh, It's Bill Clinton cannon now. (laughs) Little vagina sometimes. Sean, you're you're right. Like the bomb would have to be absurdly powerful yeah, it would be the like that would be the a new a plot is that someone has invented the world's most powerful non-nuclear bomb or maybe it's and a nuclear bomb i don't know i realize that asking for logic in this show where like a a, a man lives in one of those like flaming barrels from a from a rocky <laughs> montage run but if the bomb yeah. were that powerful diving on it would do nothing like he absolutely he would, like yeah so Jeff can, does can we dive also on it. establish really, really sell before we get to the diving sequence what what this bomb is because you, you you've said it, it you know it looks like it's filled with diehard chemicals. They show it very clearly. They show this very clearly. Mm-hmm. It is a a clear plastic tube about like sixteen right. inches long. It's full of just just diodes, just like open circuitry yep. <laughs> and like some weird some weird liquids. That it's very clear what it is. You could not. 
mistake it like yeah it's, 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 it's a diehard three ball for yeah. sure uh so like I, it didn't even occur to me that like oh this is like something that's not a bomb it looks like a bomb it looks like nothing other than a bomb and <laughs> and so i was actually writing down how like how big it would have to be and how there's no there's no fragmenting element to it like it's not gonna it, it, it's stupid right and just as i was typing that jeff altman jumps onto it and now I'm like, well, oh, now a fucking tooth or a bone splinter might kill the president. You just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then a kid comes over and he says, hey, that's my intergalactic warrior. Like, those Was that what he said? That's fucking crazy, right? That's what he said. That's what he it's said. Too- and then and then when the scene is over, they show that kid, just to be clear, holding the tube and going like dancing yeah. around like it's a guy and going rah, rah, rah. Yeah. It's a fucking tube full of chemicals. It's a tube. He also it's not- he just found this like mutagen syrup. He's like gonna go make some Ninja Turtles later, but like he he tells Altman, "You broke it, you big jerk." Then he's like, "You big jerk, you jerk." He tells him like twice more, but maybe he's the fucking jerk playing with an, an empty plexiglass too. He's Still playing a tough episode with a bomb. A terrorist gave him a bomb and said, "This is called Intergalactic <laughs> Warrior," and and he fights uh the the mech bars from from planet Zorn. Uh, he, he his favorite thing to do in the world is to be near a running president. I can't believe that worked. I've been doing that every day for three years. Uh, he's all embarrassed because he's like never foiled. A presidential assassination. So he's like, oh, I just mostly just stand around while presidents have meetings like a big dummy. But like that describes every single Secret Service agent that's yeah, ever that's been job. mostly. Yeah. That means you're doing uh, a good job, by the way. That means you're doing a really good job when nothing happens to the president. <laughs> like you can't, nobody's going to sympathize with your failure of being like, nobody killed the president today. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Again, written by someone who just hasn't given a second thought to anything. All of these plots that we've mentioned are not being wrapped up. Uh, he's trying to give his little camp counselor costume back to David Hasselhoff. He's like, no, you should keep it as a souvenir. So that's the conflict here. This guy thinks he did a bad job because he jumped on a bomb to protect the president. It turned out to not be really a bomb. Uh, but anyway, one more musical sting. Hey, you know, I got a nephew. Maybe I could use these after all. Excellent, Nick. I'll see you. Give me the tiny shorts. My nephew. um, Tell your nephew when he wears those uh, not to wear black shoes and socks. That's a Roger Wilco, pal. Roger. Triumphant Jeff. Got some confidence now. They really, they really made that song a character. Like I think that that Mm -hmm. song got more of a character arc than Jeff Altman did. Like that really, sure. really, really recovered. It made yeah. it stumbled. It fell down. I liked the upbeat version at the end. It yeah, was, uh, it really got mm-hmm. its it groove nice back. And the DVD extras, uh, one producer says, I, you know, I like to think of Venice Beach as one of the characters in the show. And the other guy interrupts <laughs> and says, you know, I think of the hail to the chief musical. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It was the best character uh, we wrote for that episode. It's the only one that saw any kind of conclusion. You're absolutely right. I'd like to change my answer to his answer. Uh, this okay. There's a there's a problematic part here at the end. Okay, all of the endings <laughs> that they wrap up are really fucked up. But the first one is Tracy Bingham. She's been helping a little lost girl all episode, and I, we didn't mention this, but the little girl's kind of been looking at her weird. And so, um, it's weird that she only got the one thing because all the other characters got eleven things. But um, 
there's actually two things going on because the little girl's dad finds her. He's like, oh, good. You found my daughter. And the little girl confesses to him. She only got lost so she could spend time with Tracy Bingham. Now, I'm thinking this is because she wants her single dad to ask her out. But Hell yeah. No, the, the daughter wanted to spend time with her because uh, she saw her rescue a kid from the ocean and realized that she could grow up to be a lifeguard if she wanted to be. Now, no one has mentioned that these people are black and it's not mentioned in the show. It's just like, like you have to have internalized racism to even understand what this scene is saying. It's that she saw an adult black woman and said, oh, wow, she can be a lifeguard just like me, a young black girl could grow up to be. And like, I'm just kind of wrestling with that. Like, like the only way you could take inspiration from this is if you're racist and that's fucking weird in a way. And then the man kisses her hand in a, just a slobbery weird way and leaves. And this was also weird to me because I don't think anyone walks away from Tracy Bingham without giving it a shot. Right. Like you're like, before I go, uh, sex. No. Uh, All right. No. Okay. Bye. Yeah, I had to, I had to try, ma'am. Okay. This uh, was 1996 too. We were not, it wasn't great, but we were not living under segregation, like for several right. decades. Also, did the, I, I'm a sports writer. I knew who that dude was. It was Willie Galt. Uh, Former Chicago Bears wide receiver. He's in Tecmo Bowl. Uh, that was his role. He, that he was held his role. a. He was weirdly he once buff. held. He once held a, the fucking world record in the four by one hundred meter dash. Oh. Like he ran the second leg. Carl Lewis ran the anchor. Like it was a. So he had a shot. Team. He wasn't just some random guy. He could have. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, he blew it. He really blew I, it. I also Googled him so like when I like saw, I was like, that guy looks familiar. And then I was like, oh, Willie Gall. Uh he like I don't I think he might be done, but he like holds the the world record for 45 plus, 50 plus, and 55 plus hundred meter dash. Wow. Like he ran he ran a 13, he ran an eleven point three second hundred meters when he was fifty-five years old. Oh so, shit. I guess if that went wrong, like that 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 hitting on scenario with Tracy Bingham, he could have just booked ass before the embarrassment even set yeah, in. Like exactly. he could have gone. <laughs> Give it a shot, yeah, man. Damn. You got nothing to lose. The other plot line they wrap up, the hobo's all cleaned up and he's like wearing regular clothes. He's not nude uh, and covered in trash. Uh, he's stopping by to thank Yasmin. And she's like, who the fuck are you? What? You're the hobo from earlier? <laughs> he looks exactly, he hasn't he says, even gotten a haircut, which means she <laughs> yeah, only saw the trash. <laughs> Even when he was in the ocean, she's like, "All I see is those famous Amos I'll, rappers." You fucking pilot. Yeah, like, like, she she should recognize his face because all she saw him was originally was a head in a garbage. <laughs> there was right. nothing obscuring his face, and then right. and there's nothing changed about his face now. She's just like, "I didn't recognize you outside of a garbage can or not trying to die." Right. Like without that context, I don't know what you are. <laughs> she uh, he thanks her for reminding her. Reminding him what hope is really all about. He gives her a, a like he whittled her a wooden sea lion. And then he kisses her cheek. Uh, this is weird. I think women, uh, probably especially hot women, don't think it's a precious gift when strange men put their mouth on them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the day's over, right? Nope, there's a boat fire. Six or seven victims, we gotta go. And again, like rescue workers like to do, this is all a fake out. Ha ha, Yasmin Bleak, there's no fucking boat fire, you dumb idiot. 
They specifically said there were kids involved. They were like, there are children burning in this boat. You've got to go. And then, ah, happy birthday. We got you. She is fully panicked. They show her a few times, like, and they gave her the take. You're you're super scared about what's happening to those kids in the ocean because she's going like. And the next, I don't see him. I don't see him. <laughs> the next time a child is really burning to death, there's a non-zero chance oh she thinks they're fucking with it. <laughs> oh, is it my birthday again? I just got so busy, I forgot. So to be clear, uh, both of those women got kissed by strangers. Uh, so the episode ends with only two of the fifty-eight plots getting wrapped up. Nope, you forgot about the audited lifeguard. The audited lifeguard. Oh, that did get wrapped uh, up. Does well, does pay off. The arc closes when he finishes getting audited, and it sucked. Yep, that's what yep. happens. He got a big fine. He complains that he won't be able to do anything for many years because he's going to be out of money. There was no twist. Um, he got audited. It continued to be audited, and then was finished being audited and didn't enjoy it. That was what happened. That was what we spent screen time on. Had to squeeze that in. I like the idea of of going to a Baywatch Baywatch writer and saying, "Hey." We want to flesh out a couple of these things. Are there any of these that we can cut? And them saying no, like, no, we need the fucking auditing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, back to what I was saying. It ended with Tracy Bingham and Yasmin Bleeth uh, getting deceived, molested, molested, and deceived in that order. And that's the end. What percentage, what percentage of the plot lines would you say we wrapped up? I would say 13% perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like 10 ish, 15. Yeah. <laughs> They're just. The, I think like several gangs are still on the beach. Some of them yeah, on. There's the jet motorcycle skis. club. The, there's a the real other gang motorcycle that, club. The jet ski guys are like in custody. I, I guess they don't have a jail here. So they had to. There's a, <laughs> a plot line we didn't see where they have these guys with like the local sheriff's department. They're like, look, these guys were being dicks. And that guy fucking tackled me into the ocean. Did you really do that, sir? Yeah, because he was a dick. Okay, I think you're under arrest. Jet ski bullies, you're free to go. Also, while all of this was happening, at least 7,000 of these 200,000 people died from the jellyfish swarm that was clearly the biggest threat and was never mentioned again. (laughs) That one tourist couple is absolutely uh, dead from those sunburns. That's close to everything, right? The hobo's definitely lost his mind again. Like, it's not like his mental health's in a better state just because he... Fucking wipe some A and W rappers off. Yeah, nothing changed for him. Absolutely nothing in his scenario changed, except for he he was like, "I have hope now." Is your home still the trash? It is. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think this hope is going to be fleeting, pal. I kissed a beautiful woman. Her face is going to melt off cheek first. (laughs) The darkness inside me can't be treated with medicine. Einstein, who did Frankfurt?
It's the 9,000th annual Monster Dog Rally Supreme, the only monster truck rally where the trucks are also huge angry men and also hot dogs, plus at least one other thing, maybe more, always more, all your favorites are here, Three Finger Louie, the only truck that plays the blues, Aaron Croston, Adrian H., Aiden Moat, Alpha Scientist Chavo, Sworn Truck Enemy of Dr. Truckopolis, Unandy Armando Nava, Badger the Feral Truck, that implies you can tame a truck, you can't, Benjamin Cyronin, Bim Talzer, Brandon Garlock the Truck Magician, what's that behind your ear? It's a truck! Brian Saylor, Brianne Whitney, Barry Tumat, the adult truck, a full-grown truck, Cyril, Rev, Chance McDermott, Chris Brower, Clementine Danger, the truck who sees a therapist, Curious Glare, Dan B, truck therapist, Dat FM Entertainment, Dean Costello, Donald Finney, Dr. Awkward, Dusty's Rad Title, three child trucks in a trench coat trying to sneak into this R-rated truck rally. Eric Spaulding, every zig, fancy shark. Jellaho, the well-hung truck, and the reason this truck rally needs an R-rating. Greg Cunningham, Hambone, Haraka, Harvey Penguini, the hot truck. That's not a sex thing, it's overheating. Hot fart, the hot truck. Also not a sex thing, it's stolen. Honk, the hot truck. Who doesn't know it, so it's still pretty attainable. Jaber Al Aiden, Jet Oroski, Jim Salter, AKA Dr. Truckopolis. John Dean, John Hector McFarland, John McCammon, the truck who graduated college. John Minkoff, Joseph Searles, Josh Fabian, Josh Quicksall, the truck who's a billionaire. Not the driver, it's the truck itself. Josh S, Joshua Graves, Ken Paisley, K-N-M, M. Jahi Chappelle, knows truck jitsu. Mac Miserable is the only truck who knows how to counter truck jitsu. Matt Riley, Max Baroy, the man who swore revenge on all truck kind. Nobody tell him he's also a truck. Michael Lair, Michael Wells, Mickey Loman, Mike Stiles, AKA Dr. Truckenstein, Moju, AKA Truckenstein's monster. Truck. ND, Neil Bailey, Neil Shaper, Neku 104. <laughs> The truck, who's a man, who's a jungle cat, who's an urban vigilante, who's a little bit sassy. Nick Ralston, Ozzy Olin, Patrick Herps, Rachel, the mood truck. Don't assume you know what the colors mean. Pink is for destruction. Rhiannon, Sarkovsky, Sean Chase, Spotty Reception. Supernaut, the Funkadelic truck who became lost in time and is now King of the Dinosaurs and prefers to be called King Funkalicious Truckosaurus Rex the Third. 
Ted H. the Coward Truck, who assassinated the Great King Buckalicious Truckosaurus Rex III. Thomas Cavazos, Timmy Leahy, Tom Sakula, Tommy G, Waylon Russell, Yanis Ionitis, the only truck to discover a new type of cave salamander. Yosarian and featuring the truck sensation, sweeping truck nation. Kids love it, moms want it, dads begrudgingly respect it, even if they'll never admit it. Come on down this Sunday and see the one and only Toasty God, the truck eating truck.